Welcome to the Relaxed Dog Podcast. The podcast where the dogs are the stars of the show. Welcome to episode 46 of the Relaxed Dog Podcast, sponsored by therelaxeddog.com. Can you do me a favor if you haven't already? And hit that subscribe button. That way you will be sure not to miss any future episodes. This week I'll be interviewing Ashley Smith and we'll be talking about his service dog, Leroy. But first, in some doggy news, in Alberta, Canada, Spike, an eight-year-old blind dog, was recently surrendered to the Saving Grace Animal Society, along with his seeing-eye cat called Max. Apparently they've been together for their whole lives, and so they were deemed only to be adopted out as a pair, which has since happened, and they are reported to be doing well. Also in the US, in Phoenix, Arizona, rescuers from the Sunshine Dog Rescue found a uh, female Australian shepherd mix that was not in the best condition. They uh, took her in, um, found that she was pregnant, but unfortunately after an emergency C-section, lost her puppies. Now the dog was quite distraught looking for her puppies and coincidentally they received some abandoned kittens. So one of the staff there had the idea to put them together and it worked. So the uh, blended species family are all doing a lot better than what they would have been had they not have been put together. And in our semi-regular spotting spot segment, well, it had to happen. You might recall a couple of weeks ago I mentioned that uh, you could buy your own version of spot from uh, Boston Dynamics for around $75,000 US. The uh, spotting spot segment is going to be a lot easier now because people have started getting them. There is some footage now of a lady in Florida taking her spot, who she calls Scrappy, for a walk down the street. And uh, if you want to have a look at that, just jump on YouTube and put in Scrappy. Now for this week's interview. Welcome to the Relax Dog Podcast. I'm here with Ashley. How are you today? Yeah, good, Robert. Yourself? Going fantastically well. A little dry, a little drizzly outside, but it, uh, it's nice. Good time to have a chat. So who are we going to talk about today? Uh, we're going to talk about Leroy. Leroy. Leroy is my um, five-year-old black male Labrador. He's um, my assistant or assistance dog or slash service dog um, that I've had for three and a half years. So it's fantastic. And uh, as per normal, I'm going to ask you to go back in time to just before you got Leroy. Uh, 
and talk us through the, the hows and whys that you got together. Um, I served in the Australian Army for 11 years um, and I served in East Timor in 99-2000 under Interfet um, as a military policeman and part of my role was um, investigating atrocities and, um, yeah, I got the or I had the opportunity at the time to go out and with a fully qualified military police investigator to go out and um, recover some bodies and stuff like that, body parts. Um, and also I, um, yeah, so anyway, after I, I come back from East Timor, I, I sort of knew I was sort of different in a way, like um, smells, sounds, um, and things I'd seen were affecting me. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until 2004 when I had a, an ex, unfortunately, commit suicide and um, it affected me and it brought back um, uh, memories from overseas and stuff like that in East Timor that I was diagnosed with PTSD anxiety and depression, chronic depression. And so in 2006, I was medically discharged from the Australian Army with, you know, my mental health plus physical health. Like I got a, uh, I ended up having to have my lower back fused and um, as a result, I ended up with um, chronic pain with, sciatica issues in my left leg Mm. where my left leg goes number times and I've had falls because of it. And, um, anyway, um, so yeah, so I, uh, in 2000, um, what was it? Early 2017, I said to my wife, look, you know, cause I was, pretty much reclusive in the house. And I lived in young New South Wales at the time. And um, I'd seen a little bit about veterans or first responders as well being matched to an assistance dog or service dog to help them with their PTSD. And um, at the time I contacted Soldier On, which is a, veterans um it's like an ex-service organization that helps veterans within the community not just with um at the time with assistance dogs but um with all a range of uh different things like employment you know they've really expanded their their um help with veterans and families and all that in the community now you know um, so yeah, so I fired off an email and my wife was dead against it at the time because she thought that this was just going to be another thing that she was going to have to look after, yep. i.e. be a dog. Um, but yeah, so, so I fired off an email and, um, 
I got a reply back and I had to send in the information about my um, myself and um, and then I had to get uh, some medical reports from a psychologist and doctor and all that stating that uh, and psychiatrists basically two medical reports stating that I would benefit from a, an assistance dog with that you know looks after people with PTSD mm-hmm. and um, so I went over to Canberra and I had a meeting with Integra Service Dogs Australia who were attached to a soldier on at the time and um, pretty much um, yeah, I had two meetings on two separate days. And on the second day, I was, um, yeah, after the first meeting, I had to send through photos of the backyard and to say it was secure secure, and all those type of things. And um, so if you were matched with a dog, it wouldn't get out. So, yeah, so um, on the second meeting, I was actually matched with a a chocolate-coloured Labrador called Hunter, mm-hmm. and um, he actually chose me. He actually come up and laid on my feet, and that's normally what the dogs will do. Yeah, nice. They will pick you. You don't usually pick them. I don't know what it is. It's a sixth sense or what, but the dogs are just amazing about picking who they'd like to be with. Oh, absolutely. And um, so anyway, we um, we started together and we did a bonding phase and, you know, bonding's usually at least a month where you sit around. You don't do any training. Um, you, you just, you know, you go for walks and all that as well, but mm-hmm. you're, um, you just sit around watching TV and, you know, because the way um, it's been explained to me is that you've come from one environment, they've come from another, and you, you basically talk in two different languages. So that bonding period is so that you get to know each other. Yeah, no, sounds good. And um, and it's not, and it's the same with your training. It's not a fast-paced thing. It's a slow-paced thing. And so anyway, um, I had Hunter and we did all our basic training um, from basic obedience to um, teaching him to it on command on any surface at any time because you'll, you'll be out in places and there won't be a lot of grass, or especially in the capital cities. Um, and um, teaching him how to stay alongside, alongside you, not move, and someone walk around with you with a wheelchair, a walker, another dog, up and back next to you in a 360-degree circle. And your dog has to stay in that position. Uh, recall as well, um, a couple of metres in front of you, or at least five metres, recall, come back, 
and that's what we do to get our in-training coat. And again, that's a slow period. It's, it's not a fast thing to, to achieve. Um, yeah, you'll probably hear a dog barking in the background. It's not my dogs, it's the neighbor's dog. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. Three dogs here. But anyway, um, yeah, so we did that. And then once you start doing that, you start doing your, your public train, like actually physically going out to places with a trainer. And you would sit out the front of a shopping centre with your dog on a seat on its mat. We use a mat everywhere we go. Dogs okay. put hair everywhere, so it's an etiquette thing. Okay, yeah. And uh, they're on their mat. They know where to sit or lay. And you'd, you'd, you let them soak up what's going on around the environment, especially because we, we would start off with dogs any from six months to two years and a dog that is six months old is, um, it's like a child, I guess. Mm. It needs to learn to soak up the environment and what's going on and people and wheelchairs and trolleys and you name it that's going on, the noise, the sound. They can feel the vibrations of things through their feet on the ground, you know. And so we do that. Um automatic doors opening at shopping centres, things like that that they've got to get used to. And then you do that and then you take your dog inside and you'd sit just inside the shopping centre and you'd let you do it again for about 10 minutes. And then we'd take them for a short walk with your trainer, not into the actual shops, but just around the shopping centre itself, like, like just a small one, sh small shopping centre. And... And then you go back out and that's would be no more than 20 minutes all up for what you're doing because your dog's, your dog's still pretty immature. They need to um, be desensitised over a period of time to what's going on. And um, if you take a dog straight into a big Westfield shopping centre yeah. at that age, the dog's just going to defecate. Be overwhelming for a long fear, and you're going to have to over sensitize your dog. Your dog's not going to be able to take in everything that's going on, and it's just going to, you know, it's going to panic. Mm -hmm. So, so we did that. Anyway, over a period of time, you gradually build up things as you're going, and you slowly take your dog into small shopping, like center shops like your, your grocery shopping shops and things like that. And um, anyway, I, I had trained Hunter from six to ten months and we were just starting to learn our learning to get your dog to, again, desensitise sitting in front of a travelator like with the noise and the vibration of it that they could feel and hear and and then being able to teach a dog to hop on or hop off without their claws or their nails getting caught. Yep. Um, this one on a Saturday afternoon, I was moving my car, my Toyota Hilux, and um, I'd been out and got a load of wood and 
I was going to have the fire pit going that afternoon and I went to move the car and uh, Hunter absolutely loved the car. Couldn't get him out of it, like, and I still don't know whether he was trying to get in the car or what, but unfortunately I accidentally ran him over um, and unfortunately ended up with a broken femur and a broken pelvis. And for the, the role that he was to be doing, we had to make the decision whether to get him um, fixed at the vet, like um, like surgically fixed, and then there would be a long recovery period. It would be at least 12 months in a crate or six months in a crate, and then, um, you know, and there was no guarantee he was ever going to be the same dog again. So unfortunately, I had to make the decision to with my um, head trainer and CEO of Integra Service Dogs Australia to put him to sleep, and that absolutely gutted me because you know at that stage with your PDC because they give you so much grounding when you're out in public. And you're not focusing on what PTSD or the anxiety is affecting you. You're focusing on your dog and they're focusing on you. So, yeah, you know, yeah, you, you still know, you you know, when you're with a shopping trolley or a basket, you know where you're, you know, you're walking in, you're not running into people or anything like that. But they take that fear off you from when you're in the, the shops and panic and anxiety and everything. Anyway, my head trainer and CA come over and I just said to him, look, I need to get back into this. And it wasn't just about having another dog. I'd gone from having a dog that I could go out in public to certain certain levels of shops. Like I wasn't allowed to just take him straight into a big Westfields in Canberra, but I was allowed to take him into my local uh, IGA and uh, Woolies and Big W and Young. It wasn't. A, they weren't very big shops because that was the level of desensitisation and training we'd got up to. It was only when I would go to Canberra for training that, when I was with my trainer, that I could physically take him into Westfields in Canberra Centre. Anyway, um, I had a friend that was matched to another dog oh, a couple of months beforehand. And he told me about this dog called Leroy. And no one wanted him because he's a big, he's a big dog. He loves his food. Anyway. Well, he's a Labrador. <laughs> two, weeks, two weeks later, I went back over to Canberra and there was a dog called Leroy, which I've got now, um, who hadn't had a handler for five or hadn't had anyone for five months. So he was very head, very um, a very headstrong dog, mm-hmm. um, and a little bit overweight. But you know, we worked on that to get that off at the time. Um, and there was another dog called Linda who 
Um, just to let you know, our actual patron of Integra Dogs, Integra Service Dogs Australia is the Governor General. Um, His Excellency uh, Sir David Hurley, mm-hmm. uh, General David Hurley, and his wife Linda Hurley. And so one of the chocolate labs when Integris first started was named after her, so it was called Linda. Mm. Now, Integra get all their dogs donated by Guide Dogs Victoria. Yep. Um, Seeing Eye Dogs Australia and um, some breeders and also Border Force. And they're dogs that just don't cut what they need. Yep. They've all had now, that Leroy initial initial sort of yes, like yep, yes. assessments and all that sort of Leroy stuff. Leroy came from Guide Dogs Victoria and he didn't quite cut what they need. And now I know from having met Leroy's puppy raises a couple of years later in Victoria that out of every 60 dogs that Guide Dogs Victoria assess, 10 get selected. That's just how high their selection criteria. Yep. Um, from what I was told from my organisation plus Leroy's puppy raisers is that Leroy wouldn't stop at pedestrian crossings when <laughs> trained to. So it was a safety issue for somebody that was blind. Oh, absolutely. So when I first got Leroy, so anyway, Leroy and I got together and my head trainer and I went for a bit of a walk. (laughs) Anyway, we went up to this bin, this big industrial rubbish bin. My head trainer had steel caps on and I, I sort of didn't really expect it to happen. Anyway, he kicked the bin to see what Leroy's noise tolerance was like. Leroy didn't move. I jumped because <laughs> I didn't expect it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Leroy and I went home. No, not that day. He got delivered a couple of days later and um, we started our bonding. Look, he had some training like sit, stay, drop or down, you know, mm-hmm. but all the dogs at Integra are basically, that's about as much, um, I guess, levels of training they've sort of had. Um, so anyway, you as a handler, you start off from there and you do the training with a, with a trainer. Some organisations will give people a fully trained dog but the actual level of, and I can send you the email, uh, a diagram of it, the level of actual bonding is not as good. No, because it's an experience you're sharing together and learning together. Yep. So if you start off right from, you know, teaching basic obedience right through to eventually doing your PAT test and passing, your level of bonding will be so much greater. Anyway, um, 
So, yeah, so Leroy and I did about oh, a month and a half of bonding, sitting around watching TV, going for short walks, all that. And then we started our basic training, our basic training to get our in-training coat again. Okay. So how, how old was Leroy when you got him? He was two. Um, people said to me at the start when I got Hunter, why did you choose a young dog? And I said, well, I've had younger dogs before. I had a female golden retriever when I was serving and I had a male. I got her as a puppy. And then I had I I got a she was getting bored at home, not that she was destructive or anything. So I went to the uh, RSPCA at Yaguna in Sydney, mm-hmm. and there was a male German Shepherd who was six months old, and he used as soon as you put his bowl down, he used to run. <laughs> so that taught me that. Whoever had him beforehand had obviously been mistreating him. Obviously, he'd been a dog like that wanted to get in, get its food, and had been hit because it would cower and he would cower and run. So over a period of time, I gradually built up the trust with this dog called Bear, and the yeah, I could put his bowl down and I could sit right next to him and I could hand feed him or anything like that, and he'd be fine. Oh, nice. So that's my introduction to dogs originally. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I started my training with Leroy. Um, I think Leroy did may have had some, I don't know, I don't know if I got lucky with him because he was a bit older, but there were some things like getting on and off travelators or escalators not an issue because he was that much older. Putting shoes on when it's really, really hot, like I've got shoes for Leroy and socks. And the socks help because um, I've never had his dew claws cut, hasn't mm-hmm. needed them um, or removed. They help put the, the, the toes in or the, you know, his dew claws so they don't get caught and also, they help soak up the sweat from the dog's feet. And um, when I, like, here's, like, a few, oh, about a month ago now, I think it was hot, and he hadn't worn shoes all winter, obviously, you know, there's no need for it. And I put his shoes on, and you know how you see videos of dogs kicking their feet up. <laughs> yeah, and doing, doing the crazy dance, yep. <laughs> He's not like that. He's like, he starts getting all... Like he's dancing, not to kick his feet up, but he's proud that he's got these shoes on and he could walk around with them on without, yep. you know. And, um, yeah, so anyway, Leroy and I did all our training. Um, we started back in July. Oh, I got Hunter in March. And then I started my new training with Leroy in July 2017. And we finished our public access test, or we passed that in the 27th of November, uh, 2017. Mm -hmm. And look, my head trainer is ex-military. He was was a regimental sergeant major in the 2nd Commando Regiment. So 
um, you know, he's got his own dog himself, his own dog for his dog's name, Jaeger, and for PTSD. And anything he couldn't do, he wouldn't get me to do or anyone else. And um, look, the training was very thorough. And it has to be because when you're out in public and you've got a jacket on your dog, you're the eyes and the ears of the world. And people notice everything you do wrong or look to do wrong. Um, for example, Audi, we do, Audi is one of the best places to go because the meat aisle is actually, and the shelves, I don't know if they've changed much, but they're normally at the head height of the dog. Where Woolies and Coles, their meat aisles are at their short, their actual freezers or fridges are actually higher. A bit higher up, yeah, actually, yep. So we would walk uh, vertically with the, or in line with the actual um, food shelf. And we use gentle leaders on our dogs because, that, yeah, they say they're for unwanted advances and things like that. But what they're good for is, and it's not a muzzle, Leroy can still drink, eat, bite if he wanted to, not that he ever would, unless you really hurt him and breathe and everything with it on. Oh, absolutely, yep, just a guide. And they're good for guiding your dog around where you need them to go in tight aisles, in like homeware shops. We'd go into homeware shops, being a medium-sized large dog, you don't want to knock um, fragile stuff off the, sh- off the shelves. If you knock it off, you own it. Mm-hmm. So they're good. They're like a bridle on a horse, the same effect. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if we're an Audi and Leroy goes to look, I've got like a little, um, loop halfway down a lead and I can just go like that and go, leave it, leave it. And that way he knows if he goes to move his head and he's not supposed to do that, it's an etiquette thing in the shops and it's part of our pet test. Um, I can just go leave it and it's not going to hurt him. Like if I was to yank it, it would because it sits around the bridge of their nose. Yep. Yep. And their mouth. And if you were to, and it's the most sensitive part of a dog. So if you were to yank it, it would hurt him and he wouldn't, he wouldn't perform for me. He wouldn't want to work for me properly. Um, yeah. So yeah, he's not now to look smell, lick, anything, move his head. He's got to look straight ahead Um, because you don't want a dog looking at food and licking at it and smelling at it and anything. Um, One day I accidentally backed his bum up against a shelf and these Asians were looking at my head trainer like because dogs to them and Indians and Muslims are dirty and the rear end of a dog is dirty, even though he'd been bathed and all that, you know. So, yeah, so there's a lot of things of how you position your dog when you're out and things like that that you've got to be mindful of as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so we did our pat test on the 27th of November 2017 um, and we passed first go. Oh, um, excellent. 
it was very nerve-wracking because we were in a big Westfield shopping centre and, you know, you go into various different shops and clothing shops and one of our, one of my trainers is a quadriplegic. She's in a wheelchair and she's got her own dog herself. Mm-hmm. And her mum worked in the, funny enough, the female lingerie section of Myers. <laughs> and if you have a look in the, those type of shops, they've got the little hook thing that comes out that they put the clothes on. And one day her dog had scraped itself up against the hook, mm. which grazed it. So even things like that, even like um, how you walk around in, say, Big W in the clothing section, you know, your dog can't rub up itself up against the clothes because it puts fur or hair on everything. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so we did that training and we passed and um, we eventually, um, in 2018, end of 2018, my wife and I and the kids, we moved to Mackay, North Queensland, and um, we stayed up there for 12 months and then we moved to Adelaide. Um, but um, How did Leroy go with the different uh, temperature extremes and between, say, um, going up to Mackay no and then going issues. back to... Like, all the places we've been in have got air conditioning. Mm-hmm. I'm very, very mindful of taking him out in the heat if it gets too hot. Um, I know some organisations have a policy that the handlers aren't allowed to take their dog out, you know, if it's over a certain temperature. But Leroy's always in a car that's air conditioned and we're always going into places that are air conditioned. Nice. Um, or I think the other, uh, a little while back, we my kids and I went to a local pool and it was like 30 degrees. So I just found a tree that was really shady. He had, had his water bowl with him full of water, icy cold water, you know, and, yeah, so. And with his jacket, with his coat, I've got zips either side and it's a, it's a pocket inside. So if you're out and it's hot, you, you know, your freezer... Um, so you can wear cool packs. Or cool, yeah, yep. your gel pack, you can put them actually into the pocket and it helps cool your dog. Ah, nice. I'm not sure I understand. I'm sorry, that's my phone. <laughs> yeah, that's all Anyway, right. yeah, so uh, when we are in Mackay, Leroy and I flew from Mackay to Townsville, Mackay to Brisbane, Airlie Beach to Sydney and Melbourne and all that. We flew about 12 times with Qantas and Tiger Air. And how did how, how uh, was Leroy on the no problems on the on the aeroplane? No, not at all. So does he um, travel in the cabin with you, or does he travel like yes, yep. crate? No, he um, because he's certified with Qantas, and my PAT certification is under the Queensland Guide Hearing and, and Assistance Dog Act, which is the GAD. Um, our PAT lasts for three years. Um, GAD is one of the recognised, and my organisation is one of the recognised um, ones through that Qantas recognise, same with Virgin. Um, yeah, so, I mean, we had to supply evidence to, get, to be certified to fly with Qantas as well, mm-hmm. um, you know, like VEP stuff and um, patch certification and everything. And, and, yeah, we board first sits at my feet, he sits on a, on his mat and then there's, you know, one of those pee pads that they give for puppies 
Um, that's just the standard thing they give all dogs on air, airline flights that go on board. Okay, no, no. Um, and, yeah, and then you get off first as well. Um, we've flown and we've had people that have hopped on, flown with us, and I've let them get off first. And they've gone, I didn't even know that he was even here. Yeah. That's I didn't a, even know there was a dog on board. It's a, a good sign that he's working well. I would exercise him before. You know, there's Qantas have recommendations to do what you should do before you fly. And normally that morning I'd, or the night before or whenever before we fly, I'll exercise him. And most major capital city, I know Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne have them. I don't know whether Adelaide's got one. They've actually got an assistance dog taller inside mm-hmm. the airport just before where you board. There's usually one on that level. Yeah, I've seen them and in a, in a few places. And toilet and drink and all that in there. Um, if not, I toilet him before I go into the airport itself. And they're pretty resilient. They can go, because he's crate trained as well, they can go 12 hours without a toilet break mm. with minimal water and stuff like that, you know. Um, I think the longest flight we've done is we flew from – Brisbane to Melbourne, I think it was like two hours or something. But, you know, again, we'd flown from Mackay to Brisbane for about just just over an hour before that. But, yeah, no, he's good. He flies. He just goes to sleep. Um, they What they do is they block the row off the actual, sorry, that, that row off for you either side. Okay. And you sit. Say there's the three seats. He sits on the mat next to the window seat, and then you you can sit in either the middle or the uh, middle seat or the one next to the aisle. Hmm. Um, they've got to be tethered with a Qantas. Mm-hmm. Um, they what they do is they make you tether them to the seat, the bottom rung of the seat, underneath. Yep, that's fair enough. That's just a that's just a um, casa. Um, and Qantas safety requirement. If you don't do that, you don't fly. Simple as that. Yep. The pilot will actually physically come down with the airline's um, steward staff and will physically check that the dog is tethered. Um, and, look, we've had pilots that, well, most of them are really good. They're Most of them are excellent. Same with, like, when we lived in Mackay, we actually got known as regular flyers, <laughs> frequent flyers with Qantas. And, um, yeah, we um, – oh, we're, you're flying again, are we? <laughs> like, yeah. Nice. So, but um, we've never had – look, the only place I've ever been kicked or asked to leave, and I actually left at my own accord because I was in disgust – was this, there was a uh, news agency in North Mackay and um, I'd been in there before. Anyway, this one day I went in there to get a um, a Valentine, no, a birthday card for my wife and for myself and one for my kids and the mother of the 
husband and the son that runs the shop as well was in there. And she said to me, she goes, oh, you're going to have to leave your dog out the front door. I said, oh, no, he's actually a, a registered and certified assistance dog with the Queensland government. Here's my ID card. Here's a number on the back if you want to check, you know. Oh, no. Um, oh, he can stay in the front of the – you can sit in the, at the front – inside the front door. And I said, no, that doesn't happen. He goes everywhere I go. Mm. Oh, people that have these dogs are blind. You're not blind. Mm. And I just went, look, he is certified. I have him for my PTSD. And look, I don't have to tell people what I've got him for. No, that's... It's actually illegal for them to ask. And I just said, look, I've got PTSD. He's with me. He goes everywhere I go. Like even at home when I go to the toilet, he follow me. He, his job is to follow me. Even though he might not have his coat on, their brains never switch off. Mm-hmm. Their brains are always on. And that's why when they get to about seven or eight or even nine, you need to seriously say, can this dog still mentally and physically do the same task? Um, yeah, so... In the end, I just left and I was so disgusted with the place. I spoke to a few friends and in the end there was about, I don't know, three or four articles in the media and on TV and about it. And um, because I'm ex-army, um, a few people wanted to bring up and abuse them. And I said, look, there's no point doing that. No, it's just people being ignorant of what the regulations are. It's just are. ignorance. And the best thing is the education. Yep. You know, oh, they the shop tried to say, oh, there's two sides to every story. I said, no, there's not. <laughs> you just didn't want him in there. Mm. And it's discrimination. And so, anyway, look, we've been to so many places like we, we went to this, when we lived in Sydney, in Young, we went to this, um, there's a show on TV for kids called Deadly 60. It's a BBC show. And this guy um, documents dangerous animals around the world. Yes, familiar. Anyway, they had, the, this, they had this show on a, at um, Luna Park. Anyway, Leroy and I, my son turned up because my son was into it at the time for his age. And we got priority seating. Take him first. They check, you know, is he going to be a right with reptiles? And I said, look, he's going to be fine. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just a safety thing for them, you know. But um, again, we've been to so many things where, you know, they give you priority. I don't know why. They just do special treatment, I guess. <laughs> um, last year, my son had a sore throat, so I took him up to the hospital to get a COVID test just to make sure. We'd lined up halfway from the road from where we originally started into the hospital itself and we're halfway in and we'd lined up from the road and this nurse and this other lady come out and they said, all right, come with us. So they took myself, my son, and Leroy in, straight in front of the queue, 
My son got tested like that. <laughs> and I said, look, I didn't ask. I hope we didn't get special treatment because there is other people lining up before us and, you know, I don't want them to be angered or upset over it. And they went, no, we're happy to do this. Anyway, when we walked out of the hospital, you should have seen the looks on people's faces and I just, (laughs) sorry, it's not my decision. But, you know, things happen like that, you know, and as I said to a mom, I was happy to line up and wait our turn, you know, and, Mm-hmm. Um, there's a thing called this aqueduct thing on the Gold Coast. We went on that with Leroy. Leroy was able to climb up and down the sort of steep stairs. Um, we've been so many places. The only thing we haven't done is a cruise. So um, we're going away overseas on airlines or cruises. If you're going um, outside the country, you've got to get Quarantine uh, clearance, I think it's like seven months or eight months or nine months beforehand and, you know, people have all their vaccinations and rabies tests and all that stuff done and, yeah, so. But, look, Leroy, in 2018 I had a what they call a high tibial osteotomy operation of my right leg knee where they cut your leg in half, break it, move it, put a wedge in and reset it. Oh, wow. Because I couldn't put pressure on my leg for 16 weeks, what I did is I trained Leroy to help take my shoes off, like slippers or Ugg boots, mm-hmm. take socks off, come up, I'd sit on the edge of the bed, I'd pull my track pants down to my knees he would actually physically between my legs grab the the the, the um the hem of the tracksuit pants, pull them down with his feet as well, and then pull them off. Oh, nice. And um same with underwear and all that. And then he'd retrieve stuff for me. Mm-hmm. And um you know, like just like he when, I, when we first got him, he'd always bring you something. When people come to the door, he's always got to pick something up and take them to him as a gift. <laughs> and I think that's what his original guide dog training was, mm-hmm. that grabbed something and, you know. Um, yeah, so I just built up on it. And um, alongside my bed, I've got a wooden block, but I've got a nail in it. And your LED clicker lights, your round ones, that you just put your double A batteries in or triple A batteries. Yep. Well, Leroy, that's alongside his bed. So when I'm having a nightmare, he'll get up, pour it, turn it on, jump up onto my bed, make lick, pour me, make sure I'm okay. And the lights there so that you when you do wake, you know where you are. And then you um once he knows I'm okay, he'll jump back off the bed, turn the light, pour the light to turn it back off, and then go back to sleep on his bed. Wow. That's nice. And that, you know, it just takes, you just build up on, um, you know, all the training we do is force furry training. It's all, it's all fun. It's all a game. Like I've got little puzzles that you can buy and you, the little recesses and you put, uh, a bit of kibble in or treat or something, 
and that's um, what they call brain training for him. Absolutely, and they love it. And they love it, you know, and he would come to me literally every day wanting to do it. Mm-hmm. Like I don't ask him, you know, he will come to me and pull it out and want to do it and I've got about five or six or different types mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, it's um, like it's like a, them going for a walk, you know, it, it's, it's stimulation for their brain. And, um, yes. Yeah, so Do you think he has, um, like, favourite areas to walk? Um, not really. Um, I remember you asking me before what was his favourite thing to eat. What, what was the – I can't remember the question now. One day I was – I made some breakfast and I made four pieces of toast with Vegemite and cheese on it. And where I'm sitting now, I'm on recliner. I put it here, and I think I just went to the toilet. You know, I come back, and there was three pieces gone. <laughs> and I'm like, because uh, we've got a pug, male pug, who's five, who's pretty much a spitting image of an assistance dog because he what, just follows me. He's copied everything Leroy does except the physical tasks and other things, you know. Mm-hmm. And we've got a male, eight-year-old female Shih Tzu Maltese cross. And, um, like, I thought, well, they couldn't jump up. Oh, they can, but they wouldn't jump up and eat it that quick. Anyway, a couple of times when my wife's had Vegemite, even and even the Vegemite um, shapes you can buy, the Vegemite and cheese shapes, as hey, soon as hey, you open hey. them, so he likes his oh, Vegemite. Straight, straight to me, like, yeah, it's yeast or something in it. And even other friends that have, and family that have got dogs have said, yeah, their, do- their dogs like Vegemite as well. Yeah, yeah. So the question I w- would have asked is, uh, I can't believe my dog ate. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but I couldn't believe you'd eaten it. Like, because <laughs> he's trained that he's not to go and pick other people's food up, any food up unless I give him the command. Mm-hmm. Not to, because we would sit under. At, he would sit at my fa- under the table during my training, and we still do it at home. Um, and I'd video this for my trainers to assess, not just the obedience training and everything else, or walking through shops or anything like that. But I would, you know, we'd have um, silver side with veggies at night, or for dinner on a Saturday or Sunday night. And I'd drop little cubes of silver side on the floor deliberately. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right next to his nose. And I think in the end, I had about a dozen of them there, <laughs> and he did not touch one of them. <laughs> yeah. I put his coat on and his gentle leader on. And I've also done it without it on. And no, he will not touch it until I tell him. And look, you know, I don't tell him because that leads to bad training, bad etiquette and, mm-hmm. you know, him thinking that, oh, it's okay to do it. So apart so, from the, the the brain game, does he have any other, like, favourite toys? Yeah, he loves playing tug with a rope. Yep. Absolutely loves it. Like, tug is just, yeah. Um, and when we lived in Young, we had an acre block and 
We had a fairly big backyard, but where we live now, we don't. But um, he'll still run around in silly circles in the in the backyard, and our Maltese or she runs after him, like not having a go at him, but just getting involved. I guess you know <laughs> yep. she gets a bit aggro over it, but. <laughs> Yeah, so, but um, playing tug is one of his biggest things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does he have any sort of like uh, weird habits that you would say is weird? Um, no, he's not destructive with toys or anything like that because he's trained not to. Mm-hmm. Um, um, he's not trained to go and cocky because, again, when you teach him to toilet on command, they, even though he's a male dog, he's taught to, to squat like a female. And the reason is, is you don't want him going cocking his leg on something. Okay. It's bad etiquette. Yep. Uh, bad behaviour. So that type of stuff he doesn't do. He doesn't chew. Um, I could put a rope in front of him and he won't chew it until we play dog. Um, not really. It's really... Um, Oh, it's funny. We've got a friend of mine who's got a an assistance dog or service dog through Royal Society for the Blind Op Canine, lives locally. And we'll see each other in the local shopping centre. And the only time Leroy will ever pull is with this dog called Ike. And it's only where – it's just more the meet and greet side of thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, and then – Well, they're, they're almost, of, almost workmates. Yeah, and after that, it's like they've settled low. They all just settle down and we sit down and have a coffee or whatever and they just couldn't care. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's the only time he, he might pull or anything. But apart from that, we could walk past a dozen different dogs and couldn't care. Mm. Couldn't care that they're there or um, oh, he'll know that they're there. He'll, you know, have a look or whatever. That's just, hi, Dad, I'm having a look. But, um, yeah, so he's he's just good and he's good with my kids too. He's good with other people's kids. And, look, they know not to touch him when he's working and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's just so tolerant. I think that's I've, a, I've been, again, a, a big educational thing that pe- when people see a, a dog working, you know, in a vest, that they – you still get too many people, oh, can I come and pat your dog and isn't he or she beautiful? Look, and- the amount of comments that I've had um, – look, I've had everything from people – I actually sat with a, young, a, a mother and her, her daughter for about an hour in Mackay just talking about assistance dogs and what they do and all, all the different things that they medically they can do, like from mental health to people that have got diabetes to um, all types of things, you know, hearing or, you know, they're not just for mental health, you know. And um, there's a lady that's written a couple of books um, and um, she wrote one about, next door's dog has a job and then she's just written um, a third book. I can't remember what the second one was. And the first one that goes on about all the different types of um, assistance dogs and their roles. Uh, but the second, third yeah. book that she's written 
His next door's dog is a veteran's dog. And um, I spoke to her late last year and she actually wanted me to write um, like some type of story of all the adventures that I've been with Leroy so we could actually write it. She could write her own book mm-hmm. to, to get it published. So, yes. Yeah, so, but um, look, this dog is given, look, my kids can lay, you know, lay on the floor with, with their head on his side or stomach or whatever. You know, I mean, he's not working, but he's just, you know, um, just so gentle with them and, um, you know, and, and when we first started our training, one of the other guys, John, who's a Navy veteran, Vietnam veteran, he's got a black lab called Oriana. Anyway, we got told, oh, you'll be out somewhere and you'll be having coffee and your dogs will be on your feet uh, or, you know, next to your feet on their mat having coffee and you'll look down and um, there'll be a kid playing with their eyes, not playing with their um, ears, sorry, not their eyes, their ears, their tail, whatever, and the dog has to be tolerant to children. You know, it can't be aggressive or growling or barking or anything like that, you know. Yep. Anyway, we were all out one day. There was myself, my head trainer, John with his dog, um, Dee, my other friend who's a quadriplegic with her dog, and Ben, right, with with one of their dogs that they use for uh, Hooper, who's a beautiful golden lab that they use for PR stuff, right, for their, for Integra. Hey, I said to John, I looked down, I said, John, I think Ariana's got a mate. We're like, you know, there's this little boy playing with Ariana. (laughs) So it does happen. Like when we first got told about it in training, we're like, oh, yeah, whatever, you know, kids won't come near us, you know. But um, They'll pop out of anywhere. (laughs) They do, they do. And, you know, and like just to give you an example, with the type of noise tolerance training that we would do, they had like a big time zone mm-hmm. in Canberra Centre and we'd take our dogs in there with all the electronic noises. You know where they get the big – you see them at the shows where they've got the big hammer and they bang it down. Yeah, so for the listeners that are, that are not familiar, time zones are like an arcade type. Yes, uh, yes, ball. and that's where we – one of the places that we would take our dogs into to – um, and we would, my head trainer and that, they'd pay people to play games or arcade games just to test dogs' hearing and tolerance and reaction and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, so, but, um, you know, Leroy has just, not just myself but other people, my wife and kids. My wife, and, my wife is also, even though she's not technically listed as a secondary handler, when I've had surgery before, um, you know, obviously I can't take Leroy in the operating theatre due to hygiene and all that side of things. But, um, yeah, my wife's looked after Leroy and, um, yeah, so, and um, it's funny, um, I was flying, my, I've got a, um, a big paddock down, well, it's not a paddock, it's called Polo Field. It used to be the old Polo Fields in Mount Barker. And it's absolutely huge, huge thing and um, spot of land anyway. I take my drone down there that I fly, that I use for fishing. 
I use it to take my line out and drop it and then. Okay, I was just going to say, how do you do drone fishing? Is something new I haven't heard of. <laughs> anyway, um, my wife took Leroy down there and our two other dogs for a walk. Anyway, she got over the other side of the paddock. And like this, this paddock's like about 10, so, 10 rugby league fields of size. It's huge. Got over the other side and Leroy starts whimpering because he's pining for me. Mm-hmm. Like wanting to come back over to me. So I guess that's how close our bond is. Um, and well, she went to pick something up. She went to do something, and I said to her, she was going out. It was only just locally for not, you know, 20 minutes. I said, oh, I said to Leroy, do you want to go for a ride with mum? He's like, oh, yeah, you know. <laughs> so she got him dressed in his jacket and everything and took him out for a ride. And he started whimpering for me then. <laughs> so it happens, you know, and like I thought, oh, you know, he can go out for a ride with her, you know, different than me, you know. So, but, um, yeah, no, they, um, once you're bonded with them and that and, you know, like it was funny, like there's been times where real, Leroy's really, really helped me mentally and physically. And um, last year he split one of his nails physically. Mm. Um, actually physically, not like cut like that, but it actually went through, uh, what do you call it? So it, it physically went through like that. Okay. And it was bleeding. Anyway, though, I took him to the vet and they ended up having to give him an injection and um, painkillers and all that. And he had his foot bound for a few days. And um, it's amazing how they look for you as well for um, for health and well-being as well. And um, has that been his only? Has that been his only trip to the to the vet? Oh, no, he's had a couple, but, um, you know, like nothing major or anything like that. Oh, that's good. So um, we, when we lived in Queensland, he, he got this ear infection. It's like a yeast infection. And um, I know other people with dog, dogs that have got uh, droopy ears because labs have got droopy ears tend to get it. Mm-hmm. And... Um, We've tried everything from it, like antibiotics to creams to flushes to everything, and he still gets it. So um, my vet, she said her, she's got a chocolate lab and doesn't matter what she does, her dog still gets it. So, yeah, so. But, look, um, I'm very, very grateful for Integra. Um, they have done so much for me. They gave me another dog. For nothing, you know, these dogs are worth, you know, thirty, fifty thousand dollars. Um, from their bloodline or where they come from, like Leroy come from Guide Dogs Victoria. He, you know, he probably had some training, but wasn't suitable for their needs. I was given this dog where some organisations expect people to pay for their dogs or fundraise for them. 
where these dogs are donated to us veterans and first responders for nothing. But you have to train the dogs and do the homework that the trainers ask you to do. Mm. Um, I know a couple of veterans that have been given dogs. And then when my head trainer and CEO have, have said to them, right, well, um, can you come to Canberra or we'll meet you halfway or we'll come to you for training. It hasn't happened because the veteran hasn't done the training. Oh, that's a pity. And as my head trainer says, you've just been given a very expensive pet. And they've complained that they can't go out in public with their dog because their dog's not PAT certified. Yeah, because they it's have like, Well, it's your own fault. Yeah, they haven't put in the work. You know, you need to put the training in to, to, to get your dog to that PAT level as well. It's a two-way street. You know, it, it's just you can't train a dog on its own. They need you to help Absolutely. to be, you know. And, and look, all the way through my training, there was times where uh, they'd say, right, Ashley, do it again. We want you to do this again. This is how we need you to do it. You're nearly 100, you're about 80% right, but we need you to do this better or differently or whatever, you know, and and that's the, the whole thing about taking on that corrective criticism yeah. and taking it on board in the right way. Mm-hmm. And so that way you become a better handler, the dog becomes better in tune with you. Um, you get maximum or 100% out of your dog and the dog gets 100% out of you as well. Um, That not just from the training, but when you actually need the dog to help you out. When it counts. Um, Like, for example, I've been out and I've sort of been overwhelmed with, like Leroy will, and these dogs will, when you're out and you get anxious, what happens is you get a metallic taste in your mouth. The pheromones in your mouth change and they can smell it. Yep. And I'll be sitting on a bench in a shopping centre and I'll start getting anxious for whatever reason and Leroy will come up and start nudging me, start pouring at me to say, are you okay? And that's, you know, like... Again, you, you, you need to be able to teach your dog to be able to, like a lot of the times the dogs will automatically do that. But again, there's things that you need you, you need to be able to teach your dog to be able to help you out as well. Like getting to be able to jump up onto my bed after t- pouring a light. As I've always been taught, the dogs don't train themselves. You've got to train them. Mm. And even once you're pat certified, I still... Um, my pat was due on November last year and every couple of months I would send my head trainer and CEO photos or videos of different things I do, we've been doing, mm-hmm. or at least every six months. And um, same with our flights, like taking off, landing on my phone. Um, yeah, just different things we'd achieved, you know, events we'd been to, like fireworks. Leroy would be laying there with the fireworks with his doggy ear mask for the protection of his ears. 
fireworks going off. He's asleep. <laughs> nice. We had friends of ours, kids that were with us, and they were crying more than Leroy was even reacting. But Leroy wasn't even doing anything. Um, we had the V8 supercars in Townsville when we lived in North Queensland. He had his um, earmuffs on. He just went to sleep. Like just different things, you know. Just going to ask, is he uh, a Holden or a Ford supporter? <laughs> oh, I don't think he cares. So if it was a um, – I don't know, dog food brand, he'd probably be into that. <laughs> but, yeah, so, but, um, yeah, um, you know, just different things I'd done and I'd send it into them as proof that I've, you know, so that when my pat came around, I had evidence to say that I was doing, like, continuation training. Absolutely. Very important. I, um, yeah, like some people I've seen been given dogs um, not through Integra, but and they just don't do anything with them. Mm. So and it's sad. So for people that want to find out a little bit more about Integra, where should they look? Um, it is www.isda.com.au. Um, I will send you the email. Of the website, I yep. can do that. Put that in the, in the um, Yes. So uh, they are now, and I was a little bit instrumental with helping them with um, Integra, one of the four providers that are recognised by Department of Veterans Affairs um, prov- to provide dogs to veterans with PTSD. Um uh, there was two originals that were done with a closed, I think it was either a cl- closed tender and then there was an open tender and Integra given one of the two next two spots. Um, and, yeah, I was int- instrumental with providing character references and videos and helping them out as well. And, Excellent. you know, I like to fundraise for them as well when I when I get a chance, mm-hmm. um, help them out and, um, they're a non-profit organisation and charity and, you know, all the money that that they get goes back into um, the training and that side of things. And um, everybody that does stuff for Integra are all volunteers. No one gets paid. Oh, uh, even myself, you know, I've got an Integra shirt. I did, you know, I got them made myself, but if I go out and I fundraise and raise money for them, it's all voluntarily done. And, um, you know, as I said, I've been given this wonderful opportunity for uh, this dog, which this Leroy's not a pet. He's a medical aide. So without Leroy, I don't know where I would be now um, medically. Um, You know, he gives me the opportunity to be able to go out and, um, continue what they call uh, different levels of graded exposures with my mental health in public, yep. you know, and gives, gives you a quality um, of life and quality of life. You know, the, I would be wouldn't be housebound. You know, I can still go out and do things, and um, you know, and have a life and my, with my wife and kids and. You know, and 
and that's why I'm truly grateful for Integra, the opportunities they've given me, um, and um, continue to do so. And um, um, yeah, so but well, um, thank you very very much for for taking the the time out and sharing and you're welcome. Us I about, hope about Leroy there's any more questions. If there's any more questions that you know yourself or other people would like to know, I'm more than happy to answer them and go from there. And um, yeah, um, as I said, education is the key. Um, Absolutely. If anyone does, I'll I'll make sure that yep. I'll put them in contact with you. So yep. thank you very very much about sharing. I know it's a it's a hasn't been the easiest of things to talk about. <laughs> No, but you know what? If I don't, if there's people that aren't willing to talk about it, then how do other people know? And how do other people get educated? And absolutely, if there's people that are, um, look, Integra only um, deal with people that are veterans and first first responders. Um, I do. I think they have taken on one or two cases of civilians. Um special cases but apart from that it's only more they're specifically for veterans and first first responders um people that you know could be uh police fireys ambulance um i know they've helped out corrective service people um veterans like myself army navy air force you know and um yes so Thank you very much again, and I look forward to catching up sometime soon. Thank you very much. Thank you for um, allowing me to come onto your podcast. It's an honour. Thank you very much for listening. I hope that you enjoyed the show. As always, I'd really appreciate if you told a friend. I'd appreciate it even more. If you uh, left a review on whatever service you are listening to us on. Until next week, stay safe and remember your dog is family. <laughs>